We read again this morning. Hope that it is not tedious for you to read over and again the same passages. But we read again for the message, Judges chapter 13 and verse 15 through 21. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, I pray thee, let us detain thee until we shall have made ready a kid for thee. And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Though thou detain me, I will not eat of thy bread. And if thou wilt offer a burnt offering, thou must offer it unto the Lord. For Manoah knew not that he, the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, What is thy name that when thy sayings come fast we may do thee honor? And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Why askest thou Thus after my name, seeing it is secret. So Manoah took a kid with a meat offering and offered it upon a rock unto the Lord. And the angel did wondrous. And Manoah and his wife looked on. And it came to pass when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And Manoah and his wife looked on and fell on their faces to the ground. But the angel of the Lord did not appear to Manoah, did no more, did no more appear to Manoah and to his wife. And then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. Stand with me again, please, and sing together number 248. Sacred joy to God the sovereign King. Let every land their tongues employ and hymns of triumph sing. Jesus our God ascends on high. His heavenly guards around Attend him rising through the sky With trumpets joyful sound While angels shout and praise their king Let mortals learn their strains let all the earth his honor sing, or all the earth 
he reigns. Speak forth his praise with all profound. Let knowledge guide the song, nor mock him with a solemn sound upon a thornless tongue. Well, last week I had begun a new message in my attempt to expound this 13th chapter of the book of Judges, this history, this record of the judges in Israel. I told you then and I remind you now that I had taken up this exposition of this entire text first by looking at that godly woman whom I affectionately titled Mrs. Manoah. And I did that. I took up that message under the superintending and guiding direction of a single phrase found in verse 9, in a field alone. In a field. Alone in a field. And then I took up the next verses, part of the exposition, by a message on Mr. Manoah, that godly man. And again, I allowed a single phrase from the text to guide our thoughts and superintend our direction. And that was... The single word, the, 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 the single phrase in verse 11, Manoah arose. And then I set about on last week to look at that person in this text whose value far exceeds any other. Seeds Mrs. Manoah. Seeds Manoah. And I said that it even exceeds that man's sense that will be introduced later. This is that most preeminent and most valuable person in the record. That blessed angel, that divine man, that angel who said that his name in verse 18 secret. And of course you have that wonderful marginal reading in your King James Bible. Bible. Verse 18 we find that his name is in fact wonderful. And so I set about in the exposition of the text to look at this divine person. This blessed angel. And I gave you first, from this text, as we look at him, we find that his self-disclosure is sovereign. That is, it has no human origin or even explanation. 
When we come to verse 3, we're simply told that the Lord, angel of the Lord, appeared. We're given no explanation for it. There's no embellishment set upon it. No merits of Manoah are referred to or Mrs. Manoah. No particular special sacrifices seem to have been offered at this particular time. There's no record of a great national repentance that has prayed down this event. Nothing has changed in 40 years. Nothing has changed. And the Lord appears. His self-disclosure we find in this text is altogether softened. And so it is, we saw, not only in the life and history of Israel, but in the heart of the sinner. He comes to the sinner when and where he will. I referred you in that message to that testimony. Paul, Saul's conversion, going down the road and the angel of the Lord Appeared and he later testified in these words when it pleased the Lord to reveal his son in me. When it pleased the Lord that day. What a blessed thing. We could dwell on it for hours. And I suppose many of you could stand to your feet and testify that sovereign self-disclosure. What a thing. But then I said to you from this text, secondly, concerning this angel, that he is sovereign in his demands. He did not come to Manoah and to his wife to lay out several options, several possibilities of things they might want to do. He comes with very strict and clear demands on what must be done. And I said to you that he comes with demands which are inflexible, non-negotiable, and unalterable. He will have his way. Sovereign in his demands. Inflexible, non-negotiable, unalterable. He must be obeyed. And then thirdly, I closed last week by simply giving you this third notice concerning this messenger that his worship is singular. And I mean that in the old English sense of that word. It is singular. That is, it is not to be confused nor amalgamated with any other rites or ritual. Manoah said, I'm going to prepare a meal and I'm going to bring you a kid and I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to organize this special meal and I'm going to cook a kid and the angel says you may cook if you please sir 
But if you're going to offer an offering, it'll be unto the Lord. And he wanted a very clear line drawn. Manoah may understand the distinction between some other ritual he may have in mind and that which is in fact the acceptable worship of God. And I had much to say, not nearly, may I just say to you, I had not nearly as much to say as I wanted to say about the necessity of purity in the worship of God. This whole Old Testament is full of it, full of it, full of it. The book of Leviticus and all this Old Testament is full of writing that is specifically intended to guarantee, specifically and exclusively to guarantee the purity and perfection of the worship of God. There'll be no strange fire acceptable on the altars of God. We live in a generation that has taken upon themselves the unearned prerogative to dismiss everything that has gone before them. The worship of God has suffered because of it. To the point that as I think I mentioned last week, we've come to call everything worship. Everything comes to be called worship or ministry or calling. But it isn't so. This angel made certain that his worship was very singular. And in the midst of that discussion, I shared with you just this, that twice it's pointed out in the record that Manoah and his wife looked on. And I suggested to your mind, though I did not develop the thought, I wished I could, but I suggested to your mind that this is the central focus and method for true worship. Look at him. Manoah and his wife were looking at him. Just Look at him. And true worship will be the spontaneous result from every regenerate heart. Just look at him. But I move very quickly to conclude that sermon this morning by coming to the fourth point. In my considerations as I have set about to show you this angel, I would like to show you, fourthly, his name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Verse 18. The angel of the Lord said unto him, Why askest thou thus after my name, seeing it is Paulo in the Hebrew, wonderful. Seeing it is wonderful. Verse 19 tells us that he did wondrously. <laughs> I couldn't help but wonder since the record doesn't tell us anything but that. When it said he did wonderfully, 
I couldn't help but ask, what did he do? I don't know what he did. And I'm not going to speculate because the scripture doesn't tell us. But I'll tell you this, whatever he did, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. He did wondrously. This word, by the way, is used only here in all of the Bible and in one other place. Joel, Joel chapter 2, verse 21. I'll take up the reading there. The Lord says through the prophet, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth their fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month and the floor shall be full of wheat and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil and I will restore to the years to you the years that the locust hath eaten the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm my great army which I sent among you and ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you, hallelujah. And my people shall never be ashamed, hallelujah. That's the only other place that word is used. He's just unfolded a whole litany of things he's going to do for Israel. And then he says, you'll be saying, the Lord did wondrously, wondrously. The same word used right here in verse 19 of our text. Oh, listen. Everything this messenger did was done wondrously. From that first appearing in the field of Mrs. Manoah the first time to the conversation with her at that time to the second appearing to the conversation with her and Mr. Manoah, to the acts that are recorded that we read there at this new altar, all that he did, everything that he did, it was all done wondrously. <laughs> oh, can I just testify to your heart this morning? Can I just testify personally to your heart this morning that he is wonderful? He's wonderful. He's altogether wonderful. Oh, Psalms 26 and verse 7, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Psalm 71 verse 17, Oh God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Psalm 72 verse 18, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who doth who only doeth wondrous things. <laughs> Psalm 75 verse 1, Unto thee, O God, do we give thanks. Unto thee do we give thanks. For that thy name near thy wondrous works declare. 
Psalm 78 verse 32, For all this they sin still, believe not for his wondrous works. Psalm 86 verse 10, For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Psalm 106 verse 22. Wondrous works in the land of him. And terrible things in the Red Sea. Psalm 145 and verse 5. I'll speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty. And of thy wondrous works. Hallelujah. Oh, Mrs. Manoah in verse 6 of our text. If you'll remember her testimony to her husband. She described him as terrible. <laughs> Hallelujah. Terrible. The Hebrew word literally means frightful in reverence. Have you ever seen a man? I have. Not lately. <laughs> have you ever been in the presence of a man that just appears of him? Strike you with reverence. That's what Mrs. Manoah said about this angel. Told her husband he was terrible. Frightful in reverence. Oh, this word in verse 19. The word in verse 19. Verse 18 is the word used in the text that you know it quite well. Of course you do. Isaiah chapter 9. And verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, can I just testify to you this morning that he's wonderful. He's wonderful. Everything he does is wondrous. Oh, the prophet in Isaiah called him wonderful. The name given to Mrs. Manoah was wonderful. Sometimes, sometime in the 1800s, the blessed songwriter wrote that he was wonderful. <laughs> she said, his name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord, He is the mighty King, Master of everything. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord, He's the great shepherd, the rock of all ages. Almighty God is he. Bow down before him. Love and adore him. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. Oh, yes. But long before that, dear old Watts wrote these words. Great God, how infinite art thou. What worthless worms are we? Let all the race of creatures bow 
and pay their praise to thee. Thy throne eternal ages stood, ere seas or stars were made. Thou art the ever-living God, where all the nations did. Eternity with all its years stands present in thy view. To thee there's nothing old appears. Great God, there's nothing new. Our lives through various scenes are drawn and vexed with trifling cares while thine eternal thought moves on thine undisturbed affairs. Great God, how infinite thou art. Yes, blessed watch. Surely, the prophet said he was wonderful. Manoah and his wife said he was wonderful. The old hymn writer, they all wrote and said he's wonderful. But then the preachers from every age, God's preachers from every clime and age have said he's wonderful. You know, I can't resist the words of the golden-throated Dr. R.G. Lee, who had a, the vocabulary of an archangel. In his own inimitable way, he says this about Christ. He's speaking on this astonishing awe that David had in Psalm 113, verse 5 and 6. It said, Who is like unto the Lord our God? He dwelleth on high, who humbled himself to behold things that are in heaven and in the earth. Who's like unto the Lord our God? And then Dr. Lee says, See God acting astonishingly in the high mountains which are off cloaked with clouds and capped with diadems of snow, in the mighty leaping waterfalls flinging themselves with the voice of thunder from the heights, in the vast areas of coal which are but the sun's blood turned black, he is wonderful. See God acting astonishingly in the mighty oceans, rolling and heaving, bearing the ships of all the nations. He's wonderful in the sea. See God acting astonishingly, manifesting himself in magnificence in the millions of worlds, each with its separate orbit all balanced so wonderfully on nothing in space. See God in his magnificent manifestation in the grass, the herbs, the fruit-bearing trees, the forests that carpet the earth with loveliness and in the fishes and the sea and the winged fowls of the air. Think of his magnanimous, magnificent, astonishing acts in all the intricate and exact operations of nature and the 92 elements which constitute the, all kinds of matter from hydrogen at the one end to the scale of uranium at the other. See God in it all and see that He is wonderful. Hallelujah. See God in it all and see that He's wonderful. I just want you to know that this ain't Learn something about this angel. He's wonderful. <laughs> oh, if I were to limit myself to only one text, which I, I'm loath to do, but I must. If I must limit myself to only one text to express his wonder, I'd point our hearts to two things in particular in this text. Only in this text. Two wonders about this angel. 
Number one, he sees the future and guarantees it. Oh, ain't that wonderful? <laughs> ain't that wonderful? He sees the future and guarantees it. Verse 3, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Verse 7, he said to her, Behold, thou shalt conceive. And then verse 24, The woman bare a son. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can I just tell you, he's wonderful. He sees the future and guarantees it. When he speaks these words of his, when he speaks words of his, they are not speculations based on recognizable trends or postulations based on predicated calculations. He speaks infallibly and guarantees it about the future. Oh, <laughs> he guarantees it because he's sovereign. Who could have predicted what model, what calculations could have ever predicted that the whole world would be engulfed in water when it had never rained? But he did. Because he's wonderful. <laughs> oh, who could predict that a mountain would be on fire and not be consumed in Exodus 19? Nobody, but he did. Because he's wonderful. Oh, can I just bring it down to this? Who could predict that a virgin would conceive and bear a son, sought for destruction, survive it, and go on to save a world of sinners? Who could have ever predicted it? Nobody. But he did. Because he's wonderful. From our text, I'll show you that he is wonderful because he sees the future and guarantees it. But secondly, he's wonderful because he can join himself. <laughs> he can join himself to flesh or flame with equal ease and perfection. Amen. He can join himself to flesh or fire with equal ease and perfection. Verse 6. They saw him as a man. She said, verse 6, a woman came and told her husband, a man, a man of God spoke to me. Verse 11, they say, Manoah says, art thou the man? <laughs> oh, yes. But then when you get to verse 20, when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Hallelujah. He's joined himself to flesh. And to fire with equal ease and perfection. 
Hallelujah. What am I saying? I'm just saying He's wonderful. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. Hallelujah. He's wonderful. Oh, this is the same one that was speaking out of the fire in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 2. I'm just trying to tell you this morning that this messenger, this angel, is wonderful. Oh, I could just stay parked there for weeks. But I'll move on. I'll give you another thing to be learned about this man, this angel, this divine angel. Number five, his visitations are all consuming and create a thirst which no other fountain can quench. His visitations are all consumed and create a thirst which no other fountain can quench. You see in verse 3, this messenger comes. And Manoah hears about it only second hand. And yet, look what we read in verse 8. Then Manoah entreated. Can I translate that word for you? Begged. Manoah begged the Lord. Oh, my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst sin come again unto us. <laughs> hey, his visitations are all consuming. And they create a thirst. Nothing else can quench. The word again in that particular verse is a Hebrew word that means still more. <laughs> Lord, let him come still more. Still more. They don't pick up so well in the English translation. The urgency, the desperation, the hunger, the thirst that's in Manoah's heart. Lord, I beg you. I beg you, let him come still more. Oh, to drink from this fountain is to drink in wonderful. <laughs> and forever thereafter, the wells of the earth are nothing more than dry dust and parched sand. Because you've tasted from the well of wonderful. Hallelujah. Psalm 42. Verse 1. As a heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. 
where I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude and kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou, God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Where therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan? Deep calleth unto deep, verse 7, at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me, yet the Lord will command his loving kindness. In the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me in my prayer unto my God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? On and on the psalmist goes expressing himself in all the words he can find, saying, Oh God, oh God, oh God, where have you gone? Come back, come visit me again, oh God, visit me again. I wonder how often we're praying like that. In our homes, in our hearts, I wonder how often we're praying like that. Oh God, visit me again. Visit me again. Visit me again. Oh, I entreat thee, Lord, visit me again. Come again. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 3, is the apple among the trees of the wood, so my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house of his banner, and his banner over me was love. Stay me with flagons. Comfort me with apples. For I'm sick of love. Hallelujah. His left hand is under my head. His right hand doth embrace me. Oh, she goes on talking about how sick she is. Chapter 3. By night on my bed I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him but I found him not. I'll rise now and go about the city and the streets. And in the broad ways I'll seek him whom my soul loveth. I sought him but I found him not. Oh, the watchmen that go about the city found me. And to whom I said, sure saw ye him whom my soul loveth. It was but a little that I passed from them. Oh, but I found him whom my soul loveth. I held him and would not let him go until I brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. Oh, I long for her. She's just pouring out words describing how desperately she wanted to see him. You pick up on that phrase, I would not let him go. <laughs> I would not let him go. I want to stay with him. Oh, I've had him come by sometime when I was alone in a cemetery. I've had him come sometime when I was just driving down the road. And I didn't want to let him go. Oh, I wanted to see him again. I wanted to hear him again. Somebody said there are visitations of God. And signs of his favor that are not fully comprehended at first. And so their repetition alone can satisfy the cravings of your heart. He's just going to have to come back. 
again. I'm just simply telling you. I'm trying to tell you that his visitations are all consuming. And they create a thirst. Which no other fountain can quench. There is no. Nothing like it. Oh, if you ever receive one visitation from this angel. It will always and ever be the craving of your heart for another. And then another. And then another. Until your craving shall be satisfied eternally in his presence. Learn something about this, this messenger. <clears throat> Number six, and I'll close. Learn this from our text about this messenger. Learn this. That his word remains even when his presence is denied. Verse 21, and the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah. But then verse 24 says, somewhere around nine months later, I assume, the woman bare a son. Well, isn't that just exactly what he said? Because you see, his word remains even when his presence is denied. Amen. We've got his word. And oh yes, we long, we hunger, we ache literally for his presence, but he left his word. We dare not become obsessed with his presence to the neglect of his word he said you'll have a son and she did have a son but he did not appear to them anymore <laughs> learn a lesson his word remains even when his presence is denied you see, the prophet said in Isaiah 55, the Lord said through the prophet, your, for you, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain cometh down in the snow from heaven and return not thither but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth the bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me, boy, but it shall accomplish the thing which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it hallelujah. His word remains even when his presence is denied. 
I hope that encourages you on some level or other. Just go by the word. Just go by the word. Whatever your feelings or the lack thereof, just go by the word. Manoah learned nine months later that his word remains even though his presence has been denied. Turn with me in your hymn book if you will please. Stand with me. And turn with me to hymn number 334. Hymn number 334. His head with endless blessing, who in God the Father's name with compassion never ceasing comes salvation to proclaim, Lord Jehovah, we.